Amen. Through the storm, anybody going through a storm? You know, the question that we ask, and I wanted to kind of focus on this question that all of us face when we step out of the boat. I think of Peter when he stepped out of the boat, and what a crazy moment that was for him as he did something that he's never done before. As the question of this is, what if I fail? What if I fail? What if you fail? And I don't think Peter failed in that moment, do you? I look at that as a very successful journey he had as he climbed out of that boat. And what the greatest lie that the church has perpetrated on, on everyone, as I am miking up here, just a second, I didn't mic up. The greatest lie that the church has perpetrated on that, that for us to be a successful ministry or to do our journey is that everything we do has to be right. Everything we do has to be perfect. Everything you do has to be just, just almost godlike status. And God never called the church to be that. He called us to be a church that walks after him. But let me tell you something. I'm never going to be perfect until I get to heaven. I don't know about you. But I'm going to fail in my endeavors. I'm going to fall short. I don't know if you know, remember this verse or not, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. And none is righteous, no not. So I think for us today to kind of get into that mode for all of us and understand that we, like Peter, jump out of the boat and God invites us to a wonderful story is that we have to get out of this mindset that I have to do my life perfect. That every choice that I make has to be perfect. It has to be right. I, oh, am I in the will of God? We're so scared all the time of whether I'm in the will of God or not in the will of God. And we just, oh no, Lord, is this the right decision I'm making? I want you to know that the Bible declares that my sheep hear my voice. They know me. Why don't we open with prayer? Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you today that we are successful because you made us successful. Not because of our righteousness, because our righteousness is as filthy rags. But God, we are made right because you made us right on the cross. And Lord, you died in our place. And you gave us life and you died so that we might have life and life in its fullness. And God, I just pray right now today for all of us, any people in here feeling any sense of guilt or any condemnation, Lord, Asking the questions, am I a failure? What if I fail? What if I make this decision here and go after this and I just fall flat on my face? Lord, I thank you that you are there, even in those most desperate moments. God, I pray that all of our lives, our hearts today, would be open and transparent and allowing you to move in and through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, if you wanted to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 14. Starting in verse 22. As we started in through the storms, Jesus didn't get on the boat. And all of a sudden they were wondering where Jesus was. And they noticed him on the water. Last week he was on the boat. But what was he doing on the boat? He was sleeping on the boat. Everybody wake up. Some of you are sleeping right now. Some of you are sleeping on my boat. No. Uh, he was asleep on the boat. And this week, Jesus invites us out of the boat to the not safe zone. And every one of us, we look for those safe, comfortable spaces. But I, as before we dive into this today, I wanted to do something. If you took a shower this morning, I'm a morning shower person. You know, maybe sometimes you take your showers in the evening. I like my showers in the morning. It's great to get kind of washed and woke up and soaked up. It's a really important thing. 
But I wanted us to be washed with this understanding that if you've called on the name of the Lord, you are saved. So if you have any guilt or any condemnation today, anything that's holding you back from the full confidence that God is with you, then who can be against you? Then this is your opportunity to get clean. In fact, we're going to do a little altar call in a moment here with that, if you will. Pastor Irwin, uh, Irwin Lutzer writes this, How Evil is Overcome with the Heart of a Christian. Imagine a book entitled The Life and Time of Jesus Christ. It contains all the perfections of Christ, the work He did, His holy obedience, His purity, His right moves. A beautiful book indeed. Then imagine another book, The Life and Times of Insert Your Name. It contains all of your sins, your immorality, your broken promises, your betrayal of friends. It would contain sinful thoughts mixed with motives and acts of disobedience. Finally, imagine Christ taking both books and stripping them of their covers. Then He takes the contents of His own book and slips it between the covers of your book. We pick up the book to examine it. The title reads, The Life and Times of Insert Your Name. We open the book and turn the pages and find no sins listed. All that we see is a long list of perfections, obedience, moral purity, and pure love. The book is so beautiful that even God adores it. Amazing, right? Every one of us have a book. And so the problem with a believer is we've got to figure out which book we go back to. So every one of us has trespasses and sins. Every one of us has had some sort of immorality. Maybe we've had sinful thoughts. Can, can I raise your hand if any of those categories cover you? Is anybody in here? Okay, good. Uh, part of the people. Does anybody have that going on in your book? Raise your hand. Man, we have a book full of nasty people in this church, Rod. But we don't. We have a church full of holy people. Righteous people. People that have had all of our sins and our past completely erased. Young person, let me give you this confidence today that God declares this, that He throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. That He takes our sins and He sends them so far away that He sends them as far as the east is from the west. He makes your book His book. He makes His book your book. He says, give me your story. I'll make something out of it. And you say, what if I fail? You have already failed God. Do you know that? You have already failed Him and He still loves you for everything that you are. He loves you in spite of you. Peter asks a simple question. They're in the middle of a storm. Jesus is walking to them. They think He's a ghost. He comes over to them and He's just going like this on the water. They've never seen it before. They've read about crazy. You know, they've seen miracles before. They've heard miracles before. You saw through the Old Testament and through their life with Christ, they saw cool things. They heard about amazing things. They've seen it firsthand. And this now is anew and they've never seen anyone walk on water. 
They've heard about the parting of the Red Sea. That was cool. How many would like to walk on water? When you came to Christ, by the way, don't ever forget this, not only doctrinally, you get this emotionally in your heart. You get repaired emotionally. I don't care how much doctrine you have memorized. I don't care if you know the Beatitudes, you know all the Ten Commandments, you know why Jesus came, when He's returning, all your eschatological junk madness. If you can get in your heart today, dear loved one, that you are righteous in God's sight, that you can go to the throne of grace boldly, you've got something. What if He doesn't accept me? We all want to be accepted, don't we? In our crowds, we want to be accepted. We want to be accepted among our peers. We want our peers to accept who we are. They want to think we're cool. Am I wearing the right clothes? Am I doing the right things? Am I saying the right things to fit into the group that I'm with? And Christ says today that He lovingly accepts you. He doesn't just acknowledge you with a nod. Yep, that's another Christian. He loves you. You are the apple of His eye. What if he doesn't accept me? Patrick and Ruth Schwenk write this. As Jesus comes to us, he is inviting us to come to him, to see him for who he really is. This is where growth begins. Not by doing more for Jesus, but by treasuring Jesus more because of what he has done for us. Real quick in Matthew chapter 14, let's start in verse 22. So immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, everyone say meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water, And when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. I would have said the same thing. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? What an amazing story we have here. As we simply come to God, we see Peter go over the side of the boat. I don't know what kind of fears he had. And by the way, when you take a first step in your life, and all of us, life is about first steps. I want you to know that my dad, by the way, just took his last step on Friday with his chemo and radiation. Can I get an amen there? My dad, amen. Every one of us right now are going into first steps, aren't we? You know what's really stupid about the Christian faith too many times, our little churchy stuff, is we think our first step is when we're born again. Now that's the first step, all right, and it's a good step. It's a really good step. That, that, that first forward, realizing you come to faith in Christ. But how many are being saved every day of your life? How many of you are stepping out into new things in your life that you didn't plan on? My dad didn't plan on getting radiation and chemo six plus weeks ago. I don't know about you. And some of you didn't plan on going through the steps you're going through, and you're choosing right now to take a first step. You're stepping over the side of your boat, and you're going, God, 
I have no idea. And Peter, just like Peter, hey Lord, if you want me to come out, come out. If you want me to walk on water, I'll walk on water. And so you're getting over the edge of the boat. You have no idea things are a little rocky. But don't you ever think in your mind right now with that first step that you're a failure. See, we always have that failure mindset that I'm going to fail. I'm not going to do good. I'm not going to do good at this. Yes, you're going to do good. Turn somewhere and say, you're doing great. The simply come part. I think of the great evangelist Billy Graham as a song would play just as I am. You know, you don't put that on national networks anymore because that would be politically offensive to say I need, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But remember those days on Saturday evenings when they would have the big Billy Graham crusades? And now it's offensive just to set up tents in New York because we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> just as I am. What you're going to have to do with your first step right now in taking out all of your cover-ups and all of your defenses and all of your Christian perfectionities and I'm so good and I'm better than this person, I do this right, man, and you just realize that we are just a bundle full of mess in your life, you'll, you'll relax a whole lot more. You'll relax a whole lot more when you realize that God loves this mess in your life. You make yourself vulnerable before God that's the first step right now is just making yourself honest and vulnerable and realizing, God, I have not accurately assessed who I am before you. Make yourself vulnerable before God. Step out into the light. Do you know those people that would come in droves as the altar call would come? They would step out. Do you think Peter in that moment made himself a little vulnerable in that boat? You know, the other disciples were in there and they're sitting there going, it's a ghost, and they're like, what do I do? And I love Peter. Peter, I, I, I'm kind of like Peter. I'm the guy that goes all over the map. I mean, Peter one day is wanting to chop the ear off of the soldier. The other day he's like, not you, Jesus, you'll do this. And the next day he is cursing the name of Jesus. I mean, Peter is all over the map. And yet, Peter's response to who Jesus was and the revelation of how the church would be built, Jesus declared, Peter, this revelation you have of me is the very foundation of how the church will be built. Isn't that amazing? Peter made himself vulnerable. If it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. By the way, Peter wasn't practicing this trick in the backyard. He wasn't getting the pool. You know magicians and illusionists, they'll practice tricks for a really long time. Like David Blaine will set up these tricks that will take him years and it takes tons of staff and they do these magic tricks and illusions to, to wow the crowds. Peter wasn't practicing his faith. He wasn't saying, okay, Lord, now the next thing I'm going to do, don't we get like that in our Christian faith too? We just kind of treat everything like little magic tricks and we practice and we're like, I'm going to do this great and we, and we go at it. Tell me to come walking on the water. Thomas Opping writes, if you're trying to do something new and impossible, expect to be a long wait before anyone notices. You know, if you're going to do something impossible, new and impossible in your life, expect to be a long wait before anyone notices. I love that verse that says, never forsake the day of small beginnings. The little steps that you take in your life they might seem impossible and they may seem different and they may be a little challenging to you and many people might not notice it and many people might not pat you on the back 
for the choices that you're making as you get over the boat and make yourself a little uncomfortable. See, the problem is in our Christian faith and our walk with God is no one wants to feel uncomfortable, do we? No one does. We want other people to get out of their comfort zone and come to me, but how dare me have to get out of my comfort zone and do the faith walk that God requires of me? Hugh McLeod in his short book, Ignore Everybody. By the way, that would be a good idea for all of us. Ignore everyone. I love that. Just start to ignore people. Isn't that a good thing? Do you know, let me give you a little side note. Whether it be business or in your personal life, you don't have to respond to all the garbage going on in your life. You don't have to have an answer. You know, I don't know how many days it is till we vote, 17 days, but you don't have to give an answer for every political of you out there. You, do you know that everybody in your life is not your opponent? Wow, that's, that's challenging, isn't it, for us Christian evangelicals, white evangelicals in America? Everybody's not your opponent. Every issue is not the end of the world. It might be good for you and I to start ignoring the voices that are coming against us. Expect resistance and don't give up. Here comes the first step. What does your first step look like? Well, what did your first step look like when you were walking as a little kid? You probably didn't remember it. I didn't remember my first step, but I'm sure my mom did. And I remember, you know, I bonked my head a few times. I've done a lot of different things, but my mom didn't spank me because I bonked my head on the, on the corner of the, of the coffee table. But maybe your first step was a little wobbly. I remember teaching my kids to ride their bike. I remember one time riding with Emily and she was just riding her bike and I didn't do the smart dad thing, by the way. Yeah, that's how come I'm not a perfect dad, so Emily, forgive me for this. But we're going on a bike ride, our little bike thing, we're in the tennis courts there, and I forgot to put a helmet on her little skull there. And she did a little circle, she overcorrected, this was when she was just learning, and bong, right on her head. And I'm sitting there just ashamed as a dad. I'm recording this. And I go, no! Like, delete... That did not go to AFV. Yeah, right? But I felt so horrible. But you know what? The one thing I wanted to encourage Emily to do, not to embarrass her, but I said, Emily, we've got to get back on that bike. I didn't make her get right back on it. Now you get back on it. No. No, but I didn't want her to be scared of the bike. You know, you don't need training to sin, do you? I don't need to tell my kids how to sin. They're, they can do that. I don't need training on sin. I do it. But you know what we do need training on? Is continually moving forward and continually taking that step and not being afraid to fail. See, this Christian journey is not about how successful you become. It's about how dependent upon God, the Savior, the Redeemer, you come. How open you come to allow God to use you with all the humanity and all the mess and all the struggle going on in your life. You realize, God, I can simply trust you. Can you trust God today, by the way? We take a million first steps. We climb out of the boat and all the waves and all the messes and all the lack and all the confusion surrounding us. By the way, when Peter got out of the boat, did you notice that Jesus didn't calm the waves before he had him come out there? 
What we typically do as believers, and this is how our little litmus test. Now, Lord, if it's your will, we pray that you open this door. And we go through the door, and all of a sudden, we're getting slammed. And we're getting slammed from the left, and we're getting slammed from the right. We have enemies mounting up. We have all these things. We have thorns, and we have briars. And we take that first step, and we go, oh, must not be God's will. God wouldn't be in this if there was all this stuff going on in my life. How did we get that way in church? How did we think that the struggles would stop? Hi, let me, let me rearrange your thinking on choices and making right choices. I dare say the first step that you take in your life, in your season you're at right now, will be one full of waves. It will be one full of storms. It will be one full of unrest. It will be one full of wondering. It will be one wondering if I'm even going to make it through the struggle another day. God just doesn't lay the red carpet out there and say, Peter, come unto me. For this will be a peaceful journey as you walk on water. My son, come with me. Jesus said, come. The Schwanks, Patrick goes on to write, with all the hurt and the fears and maybe even bitterness, keep coming. Turn to someone and say, keep coming. Take another step towards Jesus. We're not trying to be like him. We're simply desiring to be with him. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been a Christian a long time and there are things where I'm simply not like Christ on a lot. Is anybody else, else like that in me? Where you didn't do the response like Jesus would this last week. You didn't forgive. You didn't do, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't love someone God told you to do. You didn't turn the other's cheek. So guys, we always say, I want to be like Christ. And so we're not like Christ. And so we get into the failure mode. I want you to do this. Desire just to be with Jesus. This week, I want you to desire just simply to be with Him. Peter would have rather been in rushing waves and winds with Christ than in the boat with his friends. He didn't say, Jesus, why don't you get in the boat with us? It's safer in here. Peter realized that he would rather be in a very volatile environment with Jesus than be with all his friends in a place of safety. See, that's the difference with the gospel and the call of Christ, isn't it? Every one of us, we, we think safety is the place. That's the place I want to be. And the reality is with Christ, it is not a safe place, but yet you're in the safest place in the world because you're with Jesus Christ. Peter would rather be in the rushing waves and winds than with Christ than with his friends. Chuck Swindoll writes, We think life is about our comfort and safety and happiness and health insecurity. And I'm sorry if you've heard that many times preached behind the pulpit. And many times it is in our Christian gospel. But we think this Christian faith will result in safety and happiness and health and security and wealth. And that's a Western gospel. Just like Rod was talking about those believers in overseas not about wealth and happiness right now over there, is it? By the way, maybe something that you start living with this week and accepting is you start to live with the I don't know. Start to live with the I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, where do you this week need to put an I don't know? Because every one of us is looking for a specific answer to someone. Anybody looking for any answers in here this week about something? So we're looking for an answer. 
We're looking for results. We're looking for opinions. We're looking for thoughts. And how about we do this this week? We trust God that decided, Peter, it's okay for you to come on the boat and do this wacky thing where you literally walk across the water and just simply get to the place where you say, I don't know. One of the best things we can do as believers with people is we always want to give people answers. We want to give them 14 verses of scriptures and we want to tell them our little story and how they can get success because of your story. But how about we get with people and we say, I simply don't know. I'll pray with you. I'll stand with you. I will believe with you. But I don't know. Peter Schwenk writes, we are all wrestling with the uncertainty of our lives, the unknown of our circumstances, the I don't know how this is going to turn out, or this is I don't know why this happened. Anybody say why this happened to you? (laughs) Peter called to him and he went on the other side of the boat and he walked on the water. By the way, for you and I, the greatest gift that you can get back to God, I love what Brennan Manning writes, he said, trust is our gift back to God. So as you get over to the side of that boat... You trust. Because everyone in here can go to church, can do your tithe, can go to the Bible studies, can do all your stuff, but are you trusting? There's a whole lot of people doing that that are not walking with Christ. They're abiding by the law, but there is not the trust factor that I trust God completely with my life right now. Peter trusts God. I love what Psalm 56, 3 and 4 says. You can write this one down. It's Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. And it says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. By the way, don't worry about being perfect or doing things perfect. Just desire to be with Him. This last week, I woke up in the middle of the night. Had to use the restroom. It was about 3.34 in the morning. And I realized that that whole day, I really hadn't talked to the Lord much. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, I hadn't even like, acknowledged God. Okay? And it's not that God left me because of that or anything, but I go back to my bed. By the way, pastors don't sit around floating, walking on water everywhere, because Jesus has got a special, I've got a special plug-in that you and I don't. So I get back to bed, and I'm going into the bed, get into the covers, and I just simply stopped for a moment and I acknowledged God and I said, Lord, I just want to tell you that I love you. Have you ever gone through a whole day and you haven't talked to maybe one of your kids or one of your spouses? Have you ever been there before? You know, maybe you're one of your spouses. No, just one. I just saw that, just caught that. Just so you know, YouTube, we are for one man and a woman. Being married, that's one marriage. It's important. We don't do concubines here at Turning Point. That was funny. So you realize you haven't talked to someone all day. I love sending that little text to Ann, saying I love you, flirting where they're texting. It's a good thing, right? But then the Lord, our relationship with Him, gets so kind of put in the back burner, and you simply get to the place where it's not desiring to be perfect, you just desire that you want to be around Him. What if I fail? Turn to somewhere and we say, what if I fail? This is where many in the the house of faith, they're going to heaven, no doubt. 
They asked Jesus Christ into their heart on 1974 at 4 p.m. We get that. I understand it. I get it. But we have a defeated mindset in this life. A.W. Tozer writes, I've gone into churches where it was obvious that nobody expected anything to happen. And as a result, of course, it's what you would expect. Nothing. So we have a defeated mindset. We come to church and we're like, yeah, I've just got to find a good church. I've got to be in a church. Yeah, I just got to... I mean, that's what the wife says I've got to do. I've got to sit here and sing a couple stupid songs and listen to the dumb pastor. But that's my obligation. Do you think you will ever get anything out in life with that kind of freakish mindset? You know, I'd like to say it like this. Imagine if your attitude was that way in school when you're going through and getting your doctorate degree or your career. Can you imagine that kind of attitude? Do you think you would get through your tests and your scores if you just went through life like this? Going to work. Oh, man, nothing's going good here. We have a defeated mindset. You're going to heaven. Wonderful. But what are you doing here on earth? What if I fail? You haven't even gone over the edge of the boat yet, so don't worry about that. Get over the boat. Talk to someone. Pray. Believe. Go after the things of God. Try it. Jesus said, taste and see that I am good. Just try me. We have all these questions and we're not even willing to honestly go after the things of God. By the way, when you come into the faith, it doesn't mean that your brain falls off and I just trust God for everything. No, how many have got more questions the deeper you get into this thing? We don't leave questions in our brains at the door. We don't lack reasoning skills because we know Christ. But what it does understand is the mystery of what happens in life and the reality that Jesus made something new in my heart. Now that's special. He goes on to write, that is defeatism. It's allowing a defeat to put a permanent reversal on your heart. At one conference I attended, I walked by the porch where a young preacher sat. He was a fine-looking young fellow, but that morning his chin was just about reaching the ground. I started teasing him a bit and gave him a nice pleasantry with no response. He didn't smile or respond, but just said, Mr. Tozer, something awful's happened to me. I said, what's the matter now? What has happened to you? I just took my examination for ordination and I flunked it, he said. I flunked my examination and they won't ordain me. I knew that this young man was what he was going through and he was in danger of developing a real spirit of defeatism. So I set about to encourage him and to change his disposition a little. I said, Abraham Lincoln was defeated twice before he was elected. If God has called you, go to your examining board and find out what you did not know. Buy some books, study up on it and ask for another examination. His chin came up and he said, is that what you suggest? I said, sure, don't let this little thing get you down if God's called you. He's not withdrawing the call because of some questions you couldn't answer. Study up, find out what the trouble is, bore into the book, get a hold of it, pray, and ask God to help you. Why do we overcomplicate things? No, I failed at this. Well, get up. Go after it. I love what he said. He goes, do you think God is... His call is not on your life because you failed some questions on a test? Do it again. Do you know through my whole life, basically, of schooling, I literally had a tutor holding my hand? I had reading and comprehension issues. 
So my mom was smart. She got me in summer clubs where I'd go to Rockford College and they would work on reading and comprehension skills. Do you know I would go through middle school and I was horrible at math. I had to have my dad give me those beautiful speech about the little engine that could. It saved my life. It did. All joking aside. Through high school, I was in public school till 8th grade. Nothing against public school, but private school, they're a little faster on things. <laughs> so I go to this private school, Christian Life. In the ninth grade, they realized when I tested that I had some testing issues. And so I had this lady, this beautiful, wonderful lady named Mrs. Halstead, who literally got me up to speed on I was a year and a half behind everyone. But I'm not a failure. Don't tell me a failure. I'll punch you. You're not a failure. You flunked an examination. So what? So I go through high school. My math, it was hilarious. I had a friend. His name was Mark. Mark's brother was a freshman and I was a senior. And his brother was brilliant. His dad was a doctor. So, I mean, you walked into his house and it smelled of A's in there. You're like, that's an A. A. I, yeah, you're an A student. I know you. I, I know the A students out there. I can see them. I size them up. You think life is easy. It's not, Mrs. A. <laughs> Maybe for you. My sister would study five minutes before a test. She'd get an A. I'd study 14 hours. I had a biology exam. I literally went to my best friend's house. He was really smart. I wasn't. I studied all night. We go to the biology exam. It's a final exam. We're sitting at the labs there at Christian Life. Derek turns back to me and he's like, you got this. And I go, I swear, I'm telling you, I, I, I knew it. And I looked at the papers and I'm telling you, it should have been in Hebrew. It didn't matter. I go, I don't got this. So am I a failure? Are you a failure? So you messed up last week. So you don't have it all together. Is that what Christian faith really is about? Because you read through this whole Bible and they're all mess-ups. They're all mess-ups. And they call them saints. My Bible declares this. In Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times. The godly might trip seven times. And if you read and continue to read in that, it says the wicked stumble and they never rise back up. So what that tells me is godly person, godly young person, godly old person in this that you think you have your faith all worked out and you know it and you forgot that you've got to take another first step. How many of you know it doesn't matter how old you are in your faith, you're still going to have to get out of that boat. You're still going to have things that you don't know. You're going to have people and environments that are volatile. Young person, know this. Just because the things around you today are volatile doesn't mean God isn't there. In fact, God might be inviting you into the volatility of the moment. Well, I just don't want to be around those people. I just don't agree with them. They're just, oh, oh, oh. This is half of life, folks. All of life. How many times have you made poor decisions because we were down in the dumps and we start writing out our personal obituaries? How many people have been there before? 
You're down in the dumps. You had a bad week. You had a bad job. You got a bad boss. You got everything else. And you just start writing out, man, Lord, it was good. These were good times. 20 years ago was fantastic. Oh, Johnny was great. And we're literally, as we're sitting here, writing out our own obituaries. So you made a poor decision. Let it be what it is, by the way. Let it be what it is. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Here's what you need to resign the fact. And you say, I will try all over again tomorrow. I'm going to try all over again. Try all over again, I messed up. I'm going to try all over again. Try all over again. I'm going to try all over again. I'm going to try all over again. I'm working on this. I'm working this out. We are working out our salvation. We are working it out. But ain't nobody want to get over the boat. It's not safe. My faith that I've been taught requires to be safe and it's smooth. Not rocky, Steve. Not, not rough. No, 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 no. It's not. It's, it's completely the opposite. Tomorrow's a new day. A.W. Tozer writes, regardless of your victory or your failure, here's the cool thing about your Christian faith, and don't you ever forget this when you're down in the dumps, because we've all been there. Don't you ever forget that when you're just down in your depressed state, and you need to shake yourself out of those things, your relationship with God doesn't change based on your successes or your failures. The prodigal son's dad, that's what it should have been titled, not the prodigal son, but it should have said the prodigal son's dad. That's the little addendum I'll put in heaven. And that dad didn't care what that son was into. You're home. I don't love you anymore because you're clean and you're put together. I don't care how successful my children become in life. I want my children to know that I love them. And do you know what's so beautiful about the Father? Is that He loves us with an unconditional love. So all that you have, do all that you do, it won't change God's perception of you. I want you to grab hold of some psalms and write these down and put these on your forehead with a Sharpie marker if you have to this week. Grab hold of what He speaks over you. Psalm 94.17 says, Unless the Lord helped me, I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love supported me. So now we have Peter. He's gone over the boat. I don't know how many steps he took before the waves and everything started hitting him. I do know that God was there every step of the way. Psalm 82 says, Show us your mighty power. Come to our rescue. That was Psalm 80, verse 2. Psalm 91, 4 said, I love this. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Wow, you think, man, how am I going to be protected out here? Here's where you're going to be protected with the promises of God that He's given to you. You'll be protected there. That's a safe place. And it's a place of faith, by the way. This week, Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing... 
wanted you to think about some things for this week of where you need to step out of the boat. Maybe you do something uncomfortable. It was funny, I was on my way to see a customer out in McHenry County and this guy that was there, he manages like a million dollar estate there. There's horses and all this different stuff. We take care of the windows there and the siding and all different things and we forgot one of the tools. And as I was on my way there, this guy who manages the house, he's kind of like a Harley dude. He's really tough, full of tattoos, arm sleeves, all that stuff. So he's not, you know, he's not the Pope. And I'm like, Lord, as I was driving through the beautiful roads, and this is the cool thing when you're driving, when you're doing anything, you know, you can talk to the Lord at any time of the day. If you're awake at night and you're laying the things, Jesus didn't go on lunch break. <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't need a lunch break? And I'm like, Lord, what should I tell this guy, Mike? I don't know how to witness. What do I tell him? Anybody else feel nervous talking to people? You know, we think of witnessing in terms of like, do, do you know the plan of salvation, brother? Here's a track. There. Here. Like, Lord, how, how, do, how, do you, how did he talk to tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and hang out with all these different people? He had different angles. And I'm like, Lord, what, what do I tell this guy, Mike? So it was funny. I was, as I walked in there, he was telling me about stuff and swearing and cussing and and I was like, you know, now he's dealing with things with his knee and his back and pins in his neck and everything else. And I said, Mike, I know it's COVID. I said, if I were to grab your hand and just pray with you, is that okay? This guy would love that. So all of a sudden, the atmosphere in the room changed just simply because I grabbed his hand and I said, Lord, I pray that you bless my brother Mike. I pray that you give him lots of strength. He said, Steve, I started picking up smoking cigarettes again. I need to stop. I'm like, well, Mike, we can cover that one too. <laughs> How many of you had the Lord really break an addiction in your life? Amen. I said, Lord, just help him, give him strength. I pray that you heal that knee up and give him strength in his back. And it was amazing because all of a sudden the whole conversation in the room changed. I didn't need to pound something at him. I didn't need to throw a Bible at him. But we simply talked. And I don't know this week what it's going to require for you and for me. Every week the Lord has to prod me to do something because I'd rather sit around. But to get over that ledge of the boat and now I'm walking on water. Folks, I want to tell you that we have a bunch of water walkers in this place. And I don't know how the water walking works out for you the things that you come to God, but just desire to be around God this week. You don't have to have everything fixed. That's not what this is about. This message isn't about really fixing anything. It is really understanding that we trust God, we acknowledge Him in our lives, and we lay claim to the promise. Let's close our eyes for a moment. Every one of us here has failed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet God counts us righteous because of the work He's done on the cross. Today, maybe you've held yourself back because either for the fear of failing or maybe you failed miserably at something and you're not, you feel like, man, I haven't been walking in the things I should be and I just want to have you get erase all of that stuff out of your brain. All of the dialogue. So often in life, I'm around people like, well, I'm the pastor, I have the special prayer, so people want me to pray because I'm the pastor. And I almost just, oh, I want to pull my hair out. 
You have been given a robe of righteousness. God calls each and every one of us priests. And today maybe you've come under that cloud of condemnation and guilt either because you failed or because you fear you're going to fail. I want you to think of that story at the beginning where God, in His beautiful story, He takes the covers off the books and He switches them out. He takes your story and He rips it out and He puts His story in the middle of yours. Today, that's what He's doing. He's making His work complete. Today, if you say, man, I, I need to come out from under that cloud so I can get out of this boat and I've been so worried about whether I'm a failure, I'm going to fail, that I really haven't even stepped out. This isn't a question of where your faith is. This is an acknowledgement that God is calling you out of the boat. This isn't a question about your eternal security. This is a question about your daily walk and your perceptions and how you face troubling waters. And so what? You failed the test. Study up. Find out what you did wrong and take the test over again. That's life. Today, if that's you, I want you to know that there's a beautiful blessing to shower that God washes over you His Word and He cleanses you from all unrighteousness and He makes you new. Today, if that's you and you've been concerned with failing or failure, I want you to raise your hand today. I want to pray with you and for you and say today that God is calling you out into the waters. Don't hold back. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to live under failure anymore or the idea of perfection. And I want us all to declare this together. Dear Jesus, I trust You completely with my life. I don't know about the future, but I know about You. Lord, I have failed. And I thank You that those failures haven't held Your love back. God, I receive Your love. And I also understand that I can't stay in this place anymore. That I have to come over the boat. I have to get in the water. Lord, thank You that You have forgiven me and that You cleanse my heart and my mind of the condemnation and the guilt that held me back. Thank You, God, that Your book is my book. And that all the stuff, all the stories, all the failures, all the mistakes, you wash away. Today, Lord, I am complete. And I'm free. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank You for what You're doing. Thank You that You're washing us and that You're making us whole. 
And that our faith isn't about how successful and clean and wealthy and easy it becomes. But our faith in you, Jesus, is going out into the unknown. And our life of faith requires, God, that we, like Peter, go over the edge of the boat. And even though a godly person falls seven times, Lord, I thank you that you rescue us and that you teach us how to walk with you. You teach us how to go through a storm. You repair us. You restore us. And God, I thank you and I pray a blessing over each person today that raised their hands and maybe they were either afraid of failing or they felt like they have failed you. And I thank you, God, may they see the cross. May they see the cross and hide there, realizing that you cover us. And we speak against the enemy right now that has flung flaming arrows at them trying to stun them and trying to keep them from going over the edge of the boat. And Lord, I thank you that you stopped those flaming arrows with the word of the Lord, which those promises, Lord, are like a shield, a protection for us. I proclaim your promises, Lord, that you are our rescuer. You're our hero, Lord. You're our strength. I pray strength over homes this week, even with volatility, even with uneasiness and questions. And Lord, some of us may leave here today with five more questions. But I thank you, God, that we can trust you with those questions. We can trust you with our fears and our doubts because you're our rescuer. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Folks, I love you, love you. And I pray this week that every one of us would find something we need to jump out of that boat on. Amen? You're not going to fail. God bless you. Love you.